Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. Hey guys, let me set up. Um, very excited to be with you today. I have something that I've been, um, that's been teaching in my heart for some time, but I actually, I was telling Bria, like my process of getting ready for, for teaching is very different from the one that I had today, this time. Um, but it's all good. Let's go and, and, and hear from the Lord. Um, Father, I'm going to pray for me. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for, for what you are doing today. Thank you so much for this church. I just enjoy every part of it. I just enjoy how your presence is the main thing throughout every part of the gathering. I just ask that you keep that in, this, in, in my teaching and that you bring revelation as I speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, almost a month ago, I was feeling very, very pressured. Um, it, there's been, there were a lot of things coming at me at once at work. Uh, I don't know if like you ever thought about uh, sales. In sales, you, you have an end of year. And end of year is, it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty bad for, for sales. It's, it's, it's when you have the numbers and you're just seeing the numbers that you're not matching on the numbers. When you already hit the, your numbers or where you're supposed to be, you're fine. But if you're not there, it's not fun even though it's Christmas and uh, everyone's taking off, you're just biting your nails to see if you're going to make it. Anyway, that was happening. And then there was another situation that I cannot tell you about because it's still, it's still ongoing and it involves dealers, police, and a lot of craziness that I cannot talk about. <laughs> you're like, why Andoni's always having those weird stories? I don't know, man. I, I was asking the same thing. But there was a lot of pressure uh, building up. And um, I noticed that I was getting very short in my patience uh, with Lorna, my wife, and Leon. I wasn't very, um, very loving. I was very thin. So things would snap really quickly. And it's not the normal. So something I did is I asked the Lord, hey, what's going on? What's, what's, what's happening? Why am I behaving like this? And he immediately gave me this thought in my head. He said, you're believing a lie. And I'm like, what's, what's the lie? that you have to take care of yourself or nobody will. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> so I went into this process. So let's open our Bibles to John 14. And I'm going to take you throughout this process because I think it's really, really helpful. It has helped me so much. And I want to, always that I get up here, I'm always teaching from what I'm learning and what I'm getting fed from. And it's always what benefits most of the people because that's actually very raw and real. So in John 14, let's go there. If you're there, it says in the first, in verse one, it says, do not, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That's it, that's my teaching. We got, we, we're good. But no, we keep going. Verse 2. My father's, house has, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would not have told you that. 
I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Then in verse, in verse six, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So here's Jesus com uh, comforting his disciples and he's, um, he's relaying to them what is it that's going to happen, right? Because they're getting nervous about like, he's, is he leaving? Or is he staying? And then he's, he's giving them the clues, the greatest revelation like of who he actually is, right? He's saying, who do I represent? When I was a kid, um, I like as a growing in, 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 in the church, I always felt that the father was someone very different than Jesus, very different characters. One was pissed, the other one was happy. <laughs> one was fun, the other one was probably where you didn't want to be. Like, he's mad and he knows everything you've done. It's like the opposite of Santa Claus and uh, not fun to be there. But what you're seeing there in verse 7, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. What does he mean? It means that the Father is like Jesus. So if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. One follows the other one. One does what the other one does. So that was a great, great revelation for me when I was a kid because it made the Father approachable. It made the Father someone that I want to be with, not run away, right? Now let's go to verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Did you, hear, did you see that? That says, and he will give you another advocate. So that you have an advocate and then you have another advocate on top of that. That's pretty cool. To help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. That's cool. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Now let's go to verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live. I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I'm in the Father and you're in me and I'm in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. So basically, Jesus is teaching his disciples the secret. The secret of how he planted his life. That he belongs. He belongs to a family. He depends on the Father. Everything he does is following the Father. When Alex started this year, he started teaching with dependence, right? How many of you were here when, to listen to that teaching? If you weren't here and you haven't listened to the teaching, go back to the podcast and listen to it because it, it frames what the year is going to look like. And, and for our church, it's very much like that. Whenever he gives a word, it goes in the beginning on the year, it just marks the pace of what we're going to be uh, learning. And, in, and I believe that he's right. This is the year of dependence. So here's Jesus showing how he depends on the Father. So going back to the revelation that the Lord was giving me um, a few weeks ago or a month ago where I was feeling pressured and I was believing a lie, he was showing me the lie and it was like an orphan spirit that was trying to creep in in me. Like I didn't belong. Like I... Like, 
coming from, I'm an, I'm an immigrant, right? I come from Mexico. I came here to the U.S. There was a day when I got to the U.S. and I didn't know, like with my wife, she's American, so she did feel at home. Um, but I didn't, obviously. It's, it's a new country. And, uh, and then suddenly we decided, oh, the, the, uh, the Pearl in Portland sounds like a perfect place to start living there, uh, even though that you don't have a job. Go there and rent a place, right? So that was, that was dumb. And, um, and suddenly I was running out of money because I, like, I couldn't find a job that I wanted. And the Pearl is very expensive. So, <laughs> so I called my dad and I told him, hey, uh, this is happening. Like, I, I, don't, I don't have money to pay for the rent. And he's like, I'll be praying for you. It, it, it was that moment that I'm like, okay, well, I got to figure it out, right? It, it dawned on me, okay, I'm, that safety net is gone. Uh, I, I'm happy that he's praying for me, but I wanted to see something more in the bank account, but that's not going to happen. So, so I have this, this thing in me that goes into survival mode and it's like, I got to figure it out. No one's going to help me. I got to figure it out. But that, is that the truth? Because we may know the truth, but that doesn't mean that we believe it. I know John 14. I've taught on John 14 quite a bit. So did I believe it? Thank God we're invited to a Father that guides us and renews our minds. Right? In this part, Jesus is showing that he belongs. Like, look at the, uh, verse 2. It says, my, father has, my Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would not have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Huh. You know the way to, play, to the place I'm going. So you're inhabiting two places, heaven and earth. You're seated in the heavenly places. This is not for just like for the future when you're going to heaven. Because in Ephesians 2.6, Paul is reminding you also that you're seated in heavenly places. So the question is, which one is influencing which? Earth or heaven? When we come into these situations of pressure. Because pressure is going to re release what our true beliefs are. That's what happens when you start feeling that pressure. It's just going to pop up what's actually in my, in my system, what I believe. Is it going to be the scary, I want to run, fly, or fight, or that kind of reaction? Or do I actually sustain in the belief of who he is for me in that moment? Because, like, here's the thing. Surrender is not a way that we're taught to live, right? Like, we're taught to defend and protect ourselves. It's like, put up barriers. Let me try to protect my life. But coming to him, to the Father, to be, pr to be pruned is lowering those defense mechanisms and allowing him to take a look into, okay, what's, what's actually going on there? So it's a, it's a trusting exercise. When we surrender to obey his commands and trust in him, it's countercultural, And that is what he's asking it. All right. If you can go to verse 15, it says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. What our soul wants to do in moments of pressure is not surrender to the Lord, but medicate or escape, right? When, when the moment of pressure, what do we want to do? We want to go into, I want to escape. In my case, I go into hyperwork. I try to make everything about work. 
Everyone should go to work. Like Lorna, get to work. All right, Leon, go to work. It's a lot of pressure. We gotta, we gotta do something. Leon, you, you, you gotta stop using diapers. We're not gonna make it if you keep using diapers. But then I can't control people. So what happens? I get angry, right? Because I want to control. I don't know how medicating, the medication of uh, avoiding the issue looks to you. It can look like what I just described, like going to work, the workaholic kind of situation, watching too much TV, social media, porn, or even cheating, right? This can be signs of an engine light going on. Some people treat like uh, social media, that I'm always in social media, that's more of an engine light going on in your soul of like, you need something taken care of. Like even porn is not the issue. That's just the engine light that turned on that's saying that there's something deeper there that you need to take care of. Now, when I surrender and obey his commandments and release the trusting, I'm not pushing, but I'm starting to abide. I'm not pushing on life like I need to escape. I'm actually letting him come in and prune what needs to be pruned. Now, my internal world is not, um, it's not influencing. Now, my internal world is actually influencing and changing what's around me, not the other way around, Right? We have an invitation to be completely free and free indeed. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. The, the, the cross finished it, did it for us. There's an, there's an invitation to those who are free are free indeed. But there's a process that keeps on going. The race keeps on going and we keep on growing and learning, right? With Jesus and accepting that freedom. Some of us have that promise. It's that, that revelation is available, but there's things in our soul that are still needing to be dealt with, needing to be released so that we can receive that freedom. The freedom is available. A good father guides you and corrects you, shows you the way, gives you identity. That is the good father that we have. So there's, there's, two, uh, there, there, there's two reactions of how, we, how I see us um, react to, to um, when things get messy. There's two types. Most of us want to hide from him until we have things figured out, right? Adam and Eve, let's hide. Let's put some, something to cover us and, and we'll figure it out, but let's hide. I don't know what their plan was beyond that. It sounds pretty bad. <laughs> let's hide from God <laughs> and then we'll figure it out. But that keeps happening, right? We, we, there's, there's a bunch of us that do that. Then the others are under the illusion that nothing needs to change. I'm fine. Nothing needs to change. Steady. I'm just going to stay on what I'm doing and I'll be doing it for the rest of my life. No, no change. That's the Pharisees. That's how they believed. They, they were perfect, according to them. I have been both, by the way, on those, both camps. When we're hiding, we're hiding our sin, our shortcomings, and we're not, allowing, we're not allowing the full transformation to take place because we're not surrendering. When David, let's go back to David, right? David, I was, I was listening to Brianna yesterday. She was talking about David and she was saying how he ruined everything so fast. He, he messed up really fast. He went from, hey, I'm not going to war. Look at that woman, cheat to his wife, of course, and, and cheat and, and do adultery and then murder his friend and then cover everything up and it's fine. 
all within, what, a month that he does that? And then what, what happens? He actually comes to the father whenever he gets exposed by the prophet. He lays it all out. He says, I don't want to be disconnected with the father. Take it all. I want your presence, right? That's his repentance. And he gets reconnected to the father. He gets connected so much that he's actually in the genealogy of Jesus. And he's considered like, hey, everyone, like Jesus comes from, from David's um, uh, generation. Obviously, he faces the consequences, right? He's, the, the consequences keep happening in his life, but he's reconnected to the father. And that's the invitation that we have. It's in relationship that we get reconciled and we clean up the mess. Is there still a mess? Yes, there's still a mess, right? Shame wants to control us by giving the lie that if you let the light come in, you will be rejected. You will be punished. I'm not going to share my mess because if I share it, people are going to see the mess and then they're going to reject me. Shame has a hold right there. When you bring everything to the light, it loses its power. You're now trusting on him. You're obeying his commands. You're laying it on him. He's not looking, and here's another piece. Um, he's not looking for our spirituality. He's, not, he's looking for our surrender. Meaning he doesn't care if you pray in front of the temple as loud as you can, he cares that you're surrendering everything that you have in your life to him. Being spiritual is not about doing the spiritual things, but doing what the Spirit's doing. And the Spirit is bringing truth. I'll go deeper on that, don't worry. In verse 16, let's go to verse 16. And I will ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. So the Father is giving you an advocate to get closer and actually fix the problem, to have nothing hidden. That is the source. Like, that's, that's what we need. We need him to say, hey, tell me the truth of my life. Remind me of the truth. And that's what this Holy Spirit is going to do. All right, let's go to the other guys, the, other, the, the others that are under the illusion that nothing needs to be changed. The, the, kind of like the spirit of the Pharisees where they were like, hey, we don't need to change. We're fine. We're actually perfect. Um, abiding in the Lord means that you're letting him prune you. I think that this is the sadder of the two options because this is the one that holds many people back. It, of this, look, in verse 26, just go to verse 26 or 14. It says, But the advocate, the one that I've been talking about, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. Will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I said. I guess we need to be reminded. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said it. It is sad for me that it, 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 it is the saddest of the, of the options of thinking that I don't have to grow or change because you miss, you miss the teaching of the Holy Spirit and pruning. You miss this. We miss this. The opportunity to be taught by the Spirit and be reminded of who we are. We're completely blocking it. I don't need to change. The heart of the good father is the one that wants to grow his children. I want my, 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 I want my kids to grow. I don't want them to stay there and not change where they're at. I want them to grow. My, my heart is for Leon to learn as much as I can teach him. That is my heart. 
And every good father wants that for their children. Jason Bowden says, growth requires change and change usually requires leaving something or someone behind, which is loss. So this is why change sometimes is hard, he says. The aspect of growth is the combination of loss and adjusted ambitions. Your uncomfortable feelings be begin because of the amount of loss makes you feel uneasy, yet the desire to change leads to growth. Being uncomfortable when you're growing is normal. The question to always be asking yourself is, what's the opportunity that this has, that this growth and challenge has? If you look, you will find it, and change will become something to appreciate and embrace rather than fear and resist. Remember, you always control, you, you always have control over how you choose to respond to things. So going back to the spiritualizing um, of this function, what I could have done with my lie, let's say I'm getting angry, right? I'm feeling that I'm getting a lot of things happening at once. And instead of running to the father, hey, tell me what's going on. I assume I'm just being under attack, which could be true. Yeah, spiritually. Yeah. But instead of going and saying, okay, do I have to change anything? I just assume I need to um, start dancing around the bed and start anointing the bed because I'm fighting with my wife. So I'm going to put oil on the, on, on the bed and I'm going to dance around it seven times so that it actually gets fixed. Did I talk to my wife? No. Did I address the issues of why we're getting angry at each other? No. But I prayed a lot. Did I ask the Lord, hey, what's going on with me that I need to change? No. Nothing needs to change. It's the spirit realm. So he's not looking for that spiritualization. That's spiritualizing dysfunction. So we need to be careful on that one. Because yeah, I pray to change the circumstances, but I also pray, hey Lord, what do I need to change? Because I need to grow. There's something in me that is actually causing more problems to my wife than like she actually wasn't doing anything wrong. It was me who was causing the problems, right? So it's dealing with the life from the beginning. My process started by repenting for believing it. So this is the process. You, first, you own it. I believe that lie. And then I repent from it. Then I ask for the truth of the Lord. Hey, what is your actual truth? And what is the truth? John 14, I'm with you and the Father is with you. You're not alone. I'm taking care of you. That is the truth. So he replaces them. Then asking for forgiveness from the people around me. I didn't just keep it there with the Lord. I actually asked, I apologized to my wife and to Leon. I said, I'm sorry. Now, sorry doesn't fix it. It's saying, how am I going to fix it? It's saying, how am I going to plan to clean this up? Telling my wife, hey, actually, I'm going to talk to my, to my guys. So they hold me accountable of what is true. And they keep reminding me, reminding me of the truth. So I give her a plan of what I'm going to do. And not only keep it at, I'm sorry that I keep getting angry. This is what I'm going to do so that this doesn't happen again. It's huge. And this is for men because women do this very well. But it's huge for men to have close friends that they bring into their equation to hold them accountable. That's what we need. We, we need other guys that you can be accountable to. They tell them where you're going and they know your journey and you're transparent enough so they can hold you, hey, this is who you are and this is how you're acting. Let's move up here. 
Thank you. Love you guys. I have, a, I have really good friends that, that, that keep me accountable and tell me that I'm being dumb when I'm being dumb. Uh, <laughs> Alex, recently we were meeting and uh, he actually brought up, hey, um, in the meetings that we have, you're behaving a lot like an executive. So I'm, I'm a sales manager. That's my normal job. Um, but apparently I was trying to bring it into the church. I was trying to behave a lot like that. Like, hey, where are the plans? What are the next steps? Let's all know what, it, what are our action items. Uh, who's the stakeholders? Like all my lingo was going on and I was giving orders all around. And Alex was like, hey, chill. You're not an executive over here, right? And, I, and he brought it up and I was like, immediately, I was thinking, oh no, what else have I done? Like, who else have I been doing this with? Because this is just with Alex. Who, who, I, I, I talked to a lot of teams in the church. So who am I doing this with? And then I remembered, I had a meeting with uh, a, a, a missionary group and I totally, it was in the middle of my workday. So I went from uh, talking to um, other executives, then I jumped into the missionary call, and guess what I did? All right, what are our steps? What do you need? What are, what are, <laughs> look, Jamie's laughing because he was in that meeting. Oh my God. The poor guy on the mission trip is like, hey, we, do you guys want to come? Or like, <laughs> it's more like we're doing you the favor of receiving you, and you're like acting like, what are our next steps? And I was like, I felt after I, and looking back, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Did I, I did not love you. That's the metric that we have as children of God. Did we love the person in front of us? Not did I make this a, a executive good meeting where we're going to get our steps taken care of. Good thing that in a meeting, Jim was there and he took good care of everyone but, um, and cleaned up my mess. Um, but that's, that's something I needed. I needed someone to tell me about my blind spot. If not, I'm in the illusion that I'm just doing okay. If I don't have those friends, I just keep moving. And if you're thinking, hey, can I just do this by me, like me and the Lord, and that's it? I would say, no. He made a, he, he made a whole community on purpose so that we depend on one another as well. Trauma is pain where there was no one to bear witness. When you bring people in, they bear witness and reinforce the truth that will set you free. That was a good phrase right there. I like that. <laughs> it also gets completely rid of shame. When you bring, hey, I did this. And my friends and I, we've been doing this. Of like, actually, hey, this is something that's brought me shame. I just want to put it, expose it right now. And what happens? They say, hey, good share. But that's not you. This is the truth of who you are. Iron sharpens iron. I believe that we're in a season like the one described in 2 Chronicles 34 where Josiah, if you know, how many of you know who Josiah is? Yeah, more or less. I'll give you a background. So for a long time, there were kings that were falling, like they were not leading Israel or, uh, and, and Judah well, the two kingdoms. And they were just letting the, the people worship other idols or they themselves were pushing to worship other idols and bring in um, false gods from other, from other uh, countries. And um, for 300 years, this was happening. And Josiah was prophesied about by an unnamed prophet. If you want to read a strange story, read this 
story of this prophet, how he comes, sneaks into the palace, prophesies that Josiah is going to come and bring a reformation. And I love that story because the guy is like telling the king that that's going to happen. The king says, arrest him. And then uh, his hand gets like, I don't know, becomes stone and couldn't, can't move it. Pretty crazy. And then the prophet escapes and no one knows who, who he is. <laughs> and then Josiah later on becomes king when he's eight and he goes and looks for the Lord constantly. That's what he says, that he looks for the Lord constantly and he asks for the temple to be cleaned up again and made towards the Lord because it was just made for other um, idols. And in the, in, in the cleanup, they find the scrolls of the word. He reads the word and then he turns his clothing because he learns of how, how, devi- how, how much they deviated from what the Lord, wa- the Lord wanted and how much of their commandments have been broken. And he feels we're going to die. And then a prophet tells him, you're actually not going to die because you, you repented, because you, your clothes, because you tore your clothes and you said to the Lord, this is not okay. I believe that we're in a moment in our culture where Josiahs are going to be raised in our, in our families and they're going to bring back families back into the obedience of the commandments of the Lord. And they're going to change the way that we've been doing um, running our land. Because here's the second part of the teaching. In verse 23 it says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will, we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to my Father who sent me. So Jesus gets all of his, all of this inspiration, he gets it from the Father. And then he's saying, whoever loves my commandments and like holds them, my Father will love you, right? He's saying that right there. It's have plus keep equals love. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. You love him. What is he saying? Obedience, believing looks like obeying. We can't be, we can't not obey and say that we love the Lord. We got to obey his commands, trust him, then we are truly loving him. It means that we're hosting the Father and just like Jesus, when we are hosting the Father, we will represent the Father. It means that you are a representation of the Father. Every single person here will be an encounter to anyone that talks to you. So you'll be a walking encounter of who the Father is if you're following His commands and you're representing Him. That's your destiny. That's who He's saying you are because He says here right there. Look, let's let's look back in 23. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. There you go. And we will come to them and make our home with them. So He'll live with you. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Very clear. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father. So you are representing the Father by obeying His commands, by loving other people. I don't know if you heard, but this generation needs a lot of fathers. It's the most fatherless generation that has ever existed. There's no correction. As I said, a good father corrects. A good father guides and tells, hey, we don't do that. We don't shout like that. Oops. Um, (laughs) It's very simple. We got to make things simple. It's do I have the commands and do I keep them equals love. Just like Josiah brought change and abolishing the old rituals and following the commandments, we are to obey his 
word and surrender to him. And as I mentioned, I do see a movement of fathers representing the good father with holiness as his mark. It just feels so freeing, so freeing to represent the father when you like, I know that I'm following his commands and that I'm being held accountable by friends because they know exactly what's going on inside me. They know everything. So I've started to notice how this started brewing of the father, uh, the father's movement that I've seen in our church. Let's make it very, very local. Um, how many of you noticed that the, uh, in the bathrooms that we have some, we normally have a dad sitting there? Well, the first dad that I saw there was Ryan Stika. And I, I didn't know that we were doing that. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. Thank you so much, Ryan. I thanked him. And Ryan's like, oh, I don't know if you've talked to Ryan. He's the most humble guy that I've known. He goes, oh, it's okay. I'm just loving. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean you're loving? Well, uh, protecting is loving. I'm just protecting the kids. And I felt in that moment, I just, it just felt, I know it sounds very simple. It felt so prophetic that the fathers are to protect our children, are to protect the people around us. And then I started noticing how much, how much I admire the, the dads right now. I, I, I watch Ben, where's Ben? There's Ben. I watch Ben with his kids outside when he's taking care of them with a gentle heart. I, like I watch Justin with his gentle heart and always bringing the, like a, this calmness and peace to his children. Like, and I started taking notes. That's actually what's going to change our generations. Fathers that are like not absent not medicating and avoiding the issues because you can do that pretty quickly when you're a dad. You're like, oh, I got to take care of the house and the econ- like the financials of the house. So peace out, <laughs> figure this out. <laughs> no, we got to be present. So this is the invitation. If you want a summary of everything that I said, here's the invitation. I want to make sure that I'm allowing his spirit, his spirit to teach me and his word to prune me and then representing his love to the people around me as the father would. That's it. I want to make sure that I'm allowing his spirit to teach me and his word to prune me so that I can represent his love to the people around me as the father would. Doesn't matter how old you are, you're representing the father. Just like Jesus did. That's our, that's our task. That's our job. That's our calling. All right, let's stand. I'm just going to pray for you, and then we're going to go into communion. But before we go into communion, I want to pray for this, because I feel like it's, it's, it's an invitation to change the way that we approach certain things. The way they approach messes, sins, taking it to the Father, taking it to other people, bringing people into our lives. So it can feel scary, it can feel daunting, but I feel like that's how we're going to grow. So uh, if you can put your hand in your heart. Father, thank you so much for the invitation that you've given us in John 14 to host your presence, to host and represent the Father. Thank you for the authority that you've given us to guide and direct us well with the gentle heart that the Father has and brings to the people, the compassion 
Help us represent you and your kingdom. And help us have nothing hidden. Bring it to the light quickly so that we can obviously clean up our mess. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing tonight, today. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.